Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I believe will will help you and inspire you. Uh, In Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus began to deal with a certain lawyer. Before I read that, I want to... I want to share with you an article that I found. Uh, actually, it was a, a video uh, that was made a few years back by a prominent entertainer uh, and famous atheist whose name is Penn Gillette. Ever heard of Penn and Teller? So this is Penn Gillette, who ha- is a, he is a um, prominent um, atheist, and he even on his YouTube channel defends uh, atheism and why uh, you know, he, he believes there is no God. But he came out and made a video that was very interesting to me, and this is what he said on this video. I want you to listen very carefully tonight. He said, I don't respect people who don't evangelize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not evangelize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Gillette then went on to illustrate his point. He said, if I believed in God beyond a shadow of a doubt, or excuse me, if I believed beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was driving at you and you didn't believe that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point I'm going to tackle you. This is more important than you not believing. The reason he made this video is because after one of his magic shows one night, a guy had come up to him and approached him and given him some, uh, some Christian materials. And he says this, the guy was a really good guy. He was polite, honest, and sane. He cared enough about me to proselytize and to give me a Bible. This man is an atheist. And he wanted to make this clear. I know that there's no God, but one polite person living his life right made a big difference. He was a good man, and that's what's really important. With that goodness and with that kindness, it's okay that we have a disagreement. Out of the mouth of an atheist, what an incredible statement. He said, I don't respect Christians who don't evangelize. Powerful truth tonight, and I want to undergird that truth with this uh, scripture tonight, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. 
It says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested it. You got to watch out for lawyers. Saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We're asking tonight that you would inspire us once again to have a heart and a vision for the lost in our generation. Lord, to realize that there is no other generation called to win this one. Lord, that you have given this job and this commandment to us tonight, that it is in our hands. And God, I pray that you would give us a passion to speak about the incredible things that you've done in our lives, to realize who our neighbors are and what we can do to save them. We ask you in Jesus' mighty name to bless this service. All God's people would say, Amen tonight. And so we have in the scripture, we have a lawyer who approaches Jesus and he's got some tricks up his sleeve. We see that that initially this man stood up with this purpose to test Jesus. His uh, motivations were probably not sincere, but as he quoted off to Jesus the, the great commandments, that Jesus had already taught about. He said the great commandments are two, two great commandments. The one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. And in that he was speaking truth. All of the Christian life can be boiled down to those two commandments. Because if you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, then guess what? You're not going to want to offend him. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to want to steal from him. You're not going to want to covet his wife. You're not going to want to murder him. Because if you love someone the way that you love yourself, it means tonight that you will be following all of the Mosaic commandments, all of Christianity. What Christ came to accomplish was so that you could successfully do those two things. Isn't that incredible tonight? But the question I want to focus in on tonight is this question that the lawyer replied to Jesus. And it's a question that has great relevance to our lives for Jesus. And, and that this is the question he asked. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus said to him, Uh, If you do these things, you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, that's a very interesting question tonight because it's obvious that this man was not truly doing what he knew was right. It said that he wanted to justify himself. And I believe today there's a whole lot of Christians that are filling churches who are wanting to justify themselves, maybe with this same question, who is my neighbor? And the way that they have answered this question is very self-serving. 
Who's my neighbor? Well, my children, right? My children, they live in my house, so I've got to make sure that they're first. That I take care of them and I pamper them and I spoil them and I make sure that there is not one drippy nose that I don't wipe. And there is almost, uh, in our culture, there is, a, there is a worship of children where if we miss one practice for one volleyball game or we miss one television program, that it, you know, it's going to cause our children to have mental breakdowns. It's almost a worship of children. And I'm, you know that I'm not, uh, we have to take care of our children first. You understand that. But there is such a time where we say, I'm only going to take care of my children and let the rest of the world go to hell. That's not a healthy balance. Or we could say, uh, who is my neighbor? My neighbor is people that I like or people who are like me. My neighbor is people that I can identify with. People of my same skin color. People who speak my same language. And everybody else, they're not my neighbors. Those are strangers. We could say that my neighbor is the person sitting across from me in the church building. That we are neighbors. And we need to take care of each other and love one another. And yes, that's true. We do need to do that. But it's interesting to me how Jesus answered his question. He answered his question with a parable that I want you all to take notice of tonight. In Luke chapter 10, who is my neighbor? Because in this parable, Jesus confronts the person who is into service without loving people. Luke chapter 10, if you're still there, Let me open my Bible, and I'm going to get there too. Jesus tells a parable, a very familiar one, of the good Samaritan. In verse 30, this is the story that he tells. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Let me ask you, when that priest saw him and passed him by, was he acting as a neighbor? Likewise, verse 32, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. How about the Levite? The way that he treated this man who'd been beaten down, did he treat him as a neighbor? Verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. Now that term, if you don't know, is loaded with meaning and understanding. Samaritans in those times were considered to be a lower class people. Samaritans had been uh, rejected by most of the Jewish community. The Samaritans were a people and a place where most Jews would not want to visit. They were lower class. They were half-breed, half-Jewish, and intermingled with other people. And so the Jews looked down their nose at those nasty little Samaritans. We don't want anything to do with them or their ways. But Jesus introduces a Samaritan into his story to make a point. And he says, this certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came to this man 
When he saw him, he had compassion. Everyone say the word compassion. Compassion. If we are going to do what we need to do for the kingdom of God, it's going to be because of compassion. Tommy just gave a testimony about something that happened at the gas station. And I wonder why, why he began to speak to that man at the gas station. Because he saw the man and had compassion. Compassion. So verse 34, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn or hotel, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. This would have been about a, uh, two weeks worth of, of uh, uh, our income and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. Whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. Man is willing to pay a price. And Jesus answers the man's question about who is my neighbor and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Aren't you thankful tonight for the teaching of Jesus Christ? Like Tommy said, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't play games. He comes right to the point and says that the Samaritan, the nasty one, the one that the Jews did not respect, he treated this man as a true neighbor. In a generation today where we don't know our neighbors, where we don't, you know, we move in and out of the house, we live for years perhaps right next door to someone and don't know their names, don't know their situation. It's something that has grown in our culture where we don't want to get involved. There's too much risk. There's too much discomfort. There's too many awkward moments. Jesus said, this is what it looks like to take care of a neighbor. Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment because the man who had fallen, he was on the side of the road. He was broken. Do we have that picture by chance? Thank you. We can illustrate this. This is an artist's rendering of what this could have been like. Man who had fallen among thieves. You know what that means? He got beat up. They'd stolen his money. They had stripped him of any possessions that he might have had. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus, in this story, he said there was two people who saw this man. A priest and then a Levite. A priest is someone who was in the synagogue, in the temple, every day doing sacrifices. Someone who was familiar with the commandments, no doubt would have large portions of the Bible memorized. That's part of his job. This is a person who would wear the big robes and the ornate dressing of the temple, who would do the ritual cleansings, who is involved perhaps every single day doing something in the temple. And the Bible says that this man who knew a whole lot of religious things, he saw that man passed by on the other side and said, you, let me get out of the way. He had a lot of things, but on that day, he did not have compassion. 
Now remember, the man who fell among thieves was a Jew, a fellow Jew. Someone that they would have had contact with, or uh, they would have had some, something to do with one another. At least fellow countrymen. But that was not enough for this priest to have compassion. The second man that passed by was, the Bible says, a Levite. And so the Levite, in that term, it, it has a lot of baggage. It means that, again, here's another person who has a connection to the promises of God. That the Levites of the Old Testament, they were called to be God's servants and God's messengers and God's people, the priests and the Levites, together. And this man takes a step closer. Did you catch it? He said that the Levite... Verse 32, when he arrived, came and looked. Ooh, that looks pretty bad. Examined the man, took a look at his wounds, but then ended up passing by on the other side. Do you know what this tells me tonight? It tells me that religious service and church attendance does not make you a compassionate person. It often has the opposite effect. Because if all we do is show up to church, if all we do is religious duties, and we're not actually helping people, what happens is we become hardened in our hearts. And I've seen it happen. It's happened in my own heart. I wonder tonight, does it happen to you? And you say to yourself, but pastor, I'm a good Christian. I go to church on Sunday. I read the Bible. I show up to the prayer meeting sometimes. I do some religious deeds, but then when there's a sinner who crosses your path, do you do like this priest and the Levite? Tiptoeing around, hoping he doesn't notice you. This man who has fallen among thieves is such a perfect picture of a world that is lost in sin. That was a good place to say amen. He is a picture of what you were like before you got saved. He is a man who has been stripped of everything that means something to him. The Bible said that they had left him half dead. Isn't that a perfect picture of the world without Christ? A people who are living in the flesh, but dead spiritually. Who may be able to function on a day-to-day basis, go to work, earn a living, pay a bill. But on the inside, spiritually bound in sin. People who may have some spiritual background, been to Sunday school at some point. But if we could see them in the spiritual realm, they would look more like this man fallen among thieves. I wonder tonight, when you go through your daily life, when you go to the gas station, do you see this man fallen among thieves? You should. Because there's people like this that are on your path. Today, there are probably people, and I want you to think, just today, in the last 24 hours, How many people that you passed by, you had a chance to speak to them about Christ, but like the priest, 
And like the Levite, we tiptoe around. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get embarrassed. I don't want to take the time, the expense. I don't want to be, it's just easier. I'm going to pass by. We've become a church generation that is passing by. Can I tell you tonight, this is why our church does evangelism on Saturdays. And that's, this is why it's not for super Christians. See, you don't have to be Superman to revive a man from death. The Samaritan who took the time, who got down off of his animal, this man was not a medical doctor. This man was not super rich or super intelligent. All he did was the basic necessity to revive him, to keep him alive another day. It says that he took this man and put him on his own animal. And he walked next to his animal carrying this man. Took him to the next town. Paid some money to an innkeeper. And said, please make sure that he's taken care of. He's personally invested. I wonder tonight, are you personally invested? What kind of compassion do you have for a generation who has fallen among thieves? It's amazing to me that as soon as Jesus gets done telling this terrible, (laughs) terrible, this parable, that there's something else that happens that supports the very same thing he was trying to teach them. The point that he was trying to teach to this lawyer was what good is all your religious service and sacrifice if you're not helping anybody? If you're tiptoeing around the people who need your help. And the very next thing that happens in this same chapter, Luke 10, verse 38, is amazing to me. The Bible is a miracle. It happened as they went into a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, listen to what Martha was worried about. Martha was distracted with much serving. Everybody say much serving. And she approached him and said, she's all upset about this. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Martha. So get the picture. Two people, two sisters. Jesus has come into their home. He's teaching. He's doing what Jesus does. He's ministering to the group that is there inside the house. And these two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha's probably the older one, firstborn. A-type personality. She's worried about the details. And Martha is running around the house. She's probably cooking. She's probably making drinks. She's probably uh, fixing plates and washing dishes and making up and cleaning up. And, And all the while, Jesus is in the living room speaking words of life. And she's flustered. Can can you see Martha? Can you see her hair kind of getting crazy? Can you see her face? all sweaty and angry. And she comes in, she's got her, got her little, uh, her, her little whisper on. She comes in, into where Jesus is teaching. She said, Jesus, get Mary, come on. Tell Mary 
to come help me. I'm dying here. Now, was Martha doing an evil thing? No, it's wonderful to have a servant's heart, right? To be able to try to bless people with physical needs and cook for them and clean for them. That is a wonderful thing to do. But I want you to see how Jesus responded because it has the same lesson of the last parable. Are you ready for this? Jesus answered and said to her, verse 41, Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things. Doesn't that describe Americans in 2019? But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Do you know what Jesus told to Martha? He said, you are so worried and so flustered, and you're angry that Mary is sitting here listening to me teach. She's not helping. The point is that Jesus says, Mary has chosen the right path. The dishes can get done later, Martha. The food can wait a few more minutes. Why don't you come join the Bible study? Why don't you come and listen to the words of life? It's the same point made in three different stories. The point is that your religious service and sacrifice means nothing if you're disconnected from Christ and his service. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And in the last day, there will be many who say, Lord, don't you remember how much we did for you? Don't you remember how we cast out demons and spoke in your name? Don't you remember all the service and the sacrifices that we made for your kingdom and for your church and how much we did for you? And Jesus said to them, what? I don't know who you are. Who are you? I've never seen you before. You've never actually prayed to me. You did so many things in my name, but I have no connection with you. Depart from me. What about you tonight? Don't tell me how powerful of a Christian you are. Every time there's a person in need, every time there's a person who needs a ride to church, you tiptoe around. Ooh, don't have time for that. Every time there's a new person in the church, oh, good, there's a new person in the church. I'm not going to talk to them. I don't want to offend them. So I'm going to act like a jerk. Do we want new people in our church? I don't know if we want them, but we need them. There are people in need all around us, beloved. When Jesus came to the earth, I'm going to close. 
when Jesus came to the earth, there was one thing about his life that is still true to this day, that he was a sinner magnet. People were drawn to him. People of bad reputations were drawn to him. People like Peter, a fisherman, and Andrew, his brother. People like tax collectors, like Matthew. Anybody here like tax collectors? Anybody here love, uh, enjoy calling the IRS on the phone? I tried that. I told you, I tried that the other day. I spent 25 minutes on the phone and got zero answers. I don't like tax collectors. Tax collectors back then were even worse than the IRS. They were shunned by society. But these are the very people who came into the ministry of Jesus Christ. How about Mary Magdalene, a woman of unvirtuous character, but drawn to Jesus? Why? Because Jesus treated people the way this Samaritan man did. He cared for them. He found them on the road. He found people who were blind and deaf and broken. People like the man beside the pool of Siloam. For 39 years, someone, nobody was there to put him in the pool. And Jesus looked at him, saw him. Do you want to be made well? Jesus would put his hands onto people who had leprosy and skin diseases that no one would touch, that would be cast out from society. And Jesus comes and puts his hands on them. Heals them. The same Jesus who at the Last Supper begins to wash the feet of the disciples to get involved in the nastiest parts of their life. I want to tell you, church, we are the body of Christ on the earth. If Jesus was here today. Let me ask you this question. I read a book as a new convert that still sticks with me to this day. And it asked this question. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, woke up in your bed tomorrow morning, if he woke up in your situation, if he woke up with your clothing and your shoes and your children in your house, how would Jesus act in your life? What's the first thing he would do and the second thing he would do and the third thing he would do? The way that you answer that question is, how come you're not doing those things? Because you are Christ's ambassador on this earth. Can we all agree on that? We are his hands. We are his feet. And we are his mouth. If we don't help people, then Christ doesn't help them. If we don't speak to people, then he doesn't speak to them. If we don't bind up their wounds and make personal investment in them, then he doesn't. Jesus Christ has chosen his church. That's you. That's me. He has chosen us to be the saviors. To stand in the gap for people. 
This is our lesson tonight. All of your religious service, all of your church attendance. I'm so glad that people come to church. I really am. But if you come to church without missing a service for 10 years and you never save somebody, you never lead someone to Christ, what is the fruit of your life, beloved? Jesus made this statement as we close. He said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That is the goal of every church service. That is the goal of every outreach. That ought to be the very central goal of your life is to exalt Christ. If I, the Son of Man, be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto me. See, the work that we are doing tonight is an eternal work. And I want to encourage you tonight that we, we are not, see, this, this Samaritan man that Jesus told the parable about, he was able to get this man healthy again. But you know what? People are going to die eventually. He can do all that he can. He can give him a ride to the hotel. But, you know, his physical body is ultimately going to pass away. But can I tell you, what we are involved in is more than just giving someone a handout or a sandwich, more than just blessing their physical needs. What we are involved in is the changing of destination in eternity. Remember what Penn Jillette said. He said, I have no respect for a believer who believes in heaven and hell, but doesn't have the courage to speak to someone who's lost. What an incredible truth tonight. My point here is not to shame you. My point is to inspire you that God can use simple people. God can use the brokenhearted. You say, Pastor, I'm not qualified. Point me to someone who's qualified around here. Point me to someone in our fellowship, to one of our great leaders who started out well. Not one. Point me to the person who has come down from heaven, right? Fully prepared to be a witness for Christ with angel wings. There is no such person. God has us. Yes, us. God has you. And you are here in this church. A church that has a vision for winning souls. Do you think that it is an accident that you are here? Is it a coincidence? No such thing, right? And the reason you are here is because God has a bunch of people. There are a bunch of people. As soon as you walk out those doors, you're going to start seeing them. My prayer is that you start seeing them. Oh, but pastor, I don't know anybody who has any spiritual needs. I just couldn't find a single person that needs Jesus. Really? That would be a good thing to pray for. Lord, just lead me to one person broken on the side of the road so I can share your love with them. That's a prayer God will answer. I guarantee it, 100%. Tonight, my prayer 
is that like that Samaritan, you'd be able to see hope and purpose in people that are broken. To see them more as just a pile of broken flesh on the side of the road, but to see that there's, a f- there's hope there. There's potential to see people as God sees them. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. Oh, beloved, what a wonderful privilege it is to be saved. What a wonderful opportunity we have to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we close this service, I wonder if there's anyone who's made your way into this service and the truth is that you are more like the man fallen among thieves. You see this picture on the screen tonight and you can identify. Sometimes you feel like that. You feel like life has been sucked out of you. Your sins, the Bible says our sins, the wages of sin is death. The enemy has robbed you, has lied to you, has stolen from you. And like that man fallen among thieves, there's only a little bit of life left in you. That is the grace of God. And tonight we are here to tell you that there is hope for your life. There is hope for your future. If you will receive salvation tonight... The Bible says all we need to do is to repent of our sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will do that tonight, then the Bible says you can be transformed. Your heart can be made new. Your mind can be renewed. Your situation can be turned around and we can become new creations in Christ. And before we close this service, beloved, are you here? You need this salvation. You're not saved. You're not right with God, but you want to be. I want to pray with you. Is there someone here? You slip up your hand so I can see it. Not. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.